started singing at church when I was real little, probably seven or eight years old. I don't even know how old. Um, got up and we would sing specials at our church. So back, back in the day, special songs. The first song that we would sing in church that I ever remember really singing in church is Christine's favorite song, The Devil's in the Phone Booth. And so that's the song we're going to highlight today. We're not going to highlight The Devil's in the Phone Booth. That's, I was like seven years old, so it was cute, right? It wouldn't be so cute now with a 32-year-old person singing it. Although those grannies do get it on the YouTube video, so y'all should check that out sometime. But I've always sang in church. Uh, I got the opportunity to travel around a little bit and sing with my dad and another gentleman in a trio, in a southern gospel trio. That's what I grew up on, was southern gospel music. So uh, I love doing that. I sang in college, in our college choir, which was another great experience. Got to travel around uh, several of the local states there around Arkansas. Go Arkansas. Um, But one of my favorite memories of singing was right before me and Kim got married. So last week, if you don't know, was May and Kim's 12th anniversary. What? Yeah. Yeah, we got married when we were 15. Not really. But we were young and we were dumb. And what we used to do, before there was Facebook, before there was MySpace, before there was any of those things, there were chat rooms. Yes, anybody remember chat rooms? We used to go on Yahoo to karaoke chat. Yes. So Kim had her old computer, it was, and you had to plug in a microphone. They didn't have built-in microphones in, but we'd plug in a microphone, and we'd go to chat karaoke. And what this was, if you're not familiar with it, you go on there, and people take turns and sing. But what people didn't realize is that every turn was mine and Kim's. So we would get logged in, and we'd start singing some of our favorite songs. First song on our playlist, Pump Up the Jam, Pump It Up. And that's all the words I knew to that song then. That's all the words I still know to that song. So we basically just repeated that over and over until someone was finally like, okay, enough, y'all are done. But we weren't done. We had our second favorite song, which was, I don't know the words to that one either. And we would get cut off again. But it's still our turn, so we go back to our third favorite song, Pump Up the Jam, Pump It Up. And then to inform her, and then back to Pump It And finally, like, people would block us, and we were blocked by everybody in the chat room. So we'd have to go to the next chat room and, and do that again um, until we were blocked from all of them. And that was the fun that we had. So, um, But there's something about singing that just lifts us up, that just brings joy to us. And I did some research on it. Um, And so what I found was singing releases endorphins. And endorphins is a hormone that's associated with feelings of pleasure. But it also releases oxytocin, which is another hormone which has been found to alleviate anxiety and stress. So a lot of times when people are depressed, they will actually tell them, hey, go home and sing. Sing in your shower. And these are things that help lift us up from uh, from this uh, depression and stress. But... When we come to church, those aren't the reasons that we sing. Um, Yeah, it it does feel good. It does lift us up. But there's more to it than just that. So we're going to read in Psalm 96. I'm going to go ahead and pray before we get into that. Lord, I lift you up and just want to thank you for all you're doing here. Thank you for the worship that we've already had this morning, Lord, and and just being able to sing your praise. Um, Lord, right now I just ask that you would just continue to to fill our hearts with worship for you and just um, speak through me and just help me to say the words that you have uh, and just help me to to not uh, mess this up, Lord. We love you, we praise you, and in your name we pray. Amen. 
So we're going to be in Psalm 96. Uh, I believe that's on page 286 in the Bibles that were just passed out to you, if you have one of those. But it says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Uh, Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. Sorry. All right, so as we read here, we, we see that the first thing that the psalmist tells us in here, he says, oh, sing. And he says this three times. Um, this is important to us because we, um, he's, he's calling us to sing. He wants us to, to sing. Um, and he's not just telling just, uh, just the Jews to sing. That's just who he's writing to. But he's telling the whole earth to sing. Pastor Muta preached a great word two weeks ago. And in that word, he, he was talking about, you know, if all of creation is going to sing his praise, then so will I. And so he tells the whole earth to sing. Um, and so that's, that's everyone. We, we just need to remember that everyone he's calling to sing. But he's not just calling us to sing, just, just to sing. Um, he's calling us because we have a reason to sing. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3 right quick. <clears throat> oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous work among all the people. So not just are we supposed to sing and sing a new song, but we're supposed to sing and tell of his salvation, tell of his glory among the nations, tell of his marvelous works. So point number one, singing declares the truth about God's glory, works, and salvation. So we're going to break that down just just a little bit for you right quick. So uh, singing declares the truth about God's glory. So what, what exactly is God's glory? This is something that we talk about a lot as Christians. It's something that we theologically have this idea of what God's glory is, but it's something that's really hard to define. Um, I, I read, and I believe it was John Popper that was talking about de- describing and defining God's glory. And he said it's sort of like defining a basketball to someone that doesn't know what a basketball is. That's pretty easy. But describing, defining beauty to someone. So uh, is a little harder. But describing a basketball, you can say, you know, it's about yay big. Some people can actually hold it in one hand, but it's that size where it may be bi- uh, too big for someone to do it. It's an orange ball. You can bounce it from about here, and it's going to come back to you. Um, but it's also light enough that you can throw it up uh, into a hoop from about 20, 25 feet away. All right, we've got a drummer coming up. Yes. But that you can define a, a, a basketball to someone that doesn't know what it is. But have you ever tried to define beauty to someone? And like, how, how would you describe that? It's really difficult to do that. Um, 
And so that's what John Piper says about God's glory, is that it's just really hard to define what that actually means. Um, but if I was going to talk about it, I would just say that we serve a God that has substance. Our, uh, he's, he's a holy God. He, he's weighty. He, he, he has uh, just this substance to him. And so when we're singing songs, we need to reflect that, weight, reflect that weightiness in, in our voices and in, in what we're singing. Um, we're not just singing the words, but we're, we're reflecting on who God is and what that, the glory of God is. Um, it talks about God's works. Um, it even says they're marvelous works. Marvelous is another word that right now, like, we don't really consider what actually marvelous really means. Um, we, we talk about um, how we might marvel at uh, the way Jerry builds cars. Uh, you know, those are great things. Like, but, uh, go online, look at Fry Rides. You can see all the cars that he's built. Plug, quick plug for y'all. But you can see, and, and they're amazing. Uh, he takes these things from rusted out pieces of junk, and he builds it up into this thing that we're, we're all jealous of. Like, we all want one of those. Um, and so we marvel at those things. But even though Jerry does a great work, the things that God have done, has done is just so much bigger. Um, again, as Pastor Muta described, he created this entire world. Not only that, but once, once he created it and gave it to us, he, he's done these works that are just unimaginable for us, really. He split the Red Sea so the Israelites could cross it on dry land. It wasn't still wet underneath there. It wasn't muddy when they were trying to walk out of it. But it was dry land. So that's something we can marvel at. Um, he's, he's healed the sick. He's raised the dead. These are marvelous acts. Um, and so we need to be thinking of those and conscious of those as we're singing um, in salvation. So when, when the psalmist here talks about salvation, he's, he's talking about a lot of things. It's a reflection of the past of what God's done for him, but it's also uh, looking forward to the future about the salvation that's still to come for them. So um, when he's, he's talking about these things, he's talking about, you know, when he freed them from Egypt, uh, when, when he's helped them through different battles. But it's also looking forward. It's a prophecy of what he's going to do when he sends his son to, to die for them. Um, and so dying on the cross, that ultimate form of salvation, that's another reason why we sing. We want to give him that glory for just because he is glorious, for the works that he's done, but also for the salvation that he, he's brought to us. Um, moving on to verse 4. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the people are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. So, as you see here, he starts talking about other gods. So, like we just mentioned before, this is for all the earth to sing. Not just the people that are serving God. He's, he's encouraging everyone to sing. He's telling everyone to come in and sing. And so he, he's telling these other people that aren't serving God that these other gods that you're serving are worthless. They, they, they mean nothing. There's only one God that's really worth serving. There's only one God that's worth um, giving this praise to. And so even in the Hebrew, um, it's, it's, it's funny how uh, it's, it's written here. So the word for gods in Hebrew, and I'm going to butcher this pronunciation because I'm from Arkansas and I butcher most pronunciations. Um, but the word for God is Elohim. Um, and then the word for, uh, that it uses for worthless idols is Elim. They sort of sound alike. Um, and so what that would sort of translate to, if we were to do a word for it, is that your mighty gods are mighty worthless. 
And so it's just something that we should remember that when we're singing, we're declaring who the true God is. It's not about um, just getting up there and just singing because the words are on the screen and you're reading them. Um, but it, it's really about just describing who we really believe God is and, and giving him the praise um, for, for who he is and for the, the works that he's done and for the glory of him and for the salvation that he's given to us. Um, and in that, uh, point number three, our singing is an offering of worship. Um, verses seven through nine says, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. So this word ascribe, um, it, it's kind of weird when we're talking about God for, for some of us Christians. It's like what, we're ascribing it to him. We're putting that on him. And, and that's sort of what it means. But it really is just saying let's give him the glory that he deserves. Let's bring him the honor. Um, we're going to bring him this offering of our voice. We're going to lift up our voices to, to praise him and to, to worship him. Um, I always end up confessing something in these sermons. And so something I want to confess to y'all is two weeks ago, the first series uh, summer playlist, or first sermon of summer playlist, we get up here to practice on Sunday morning. It was terrible. Garbage. Like, I was going to be embarrassed to get up here and sing like embarrassed. Uh, I think uh, Liz was sitting in here. Liz and Christina were both sitting in here. And I was like, why do they have to be in this for this? Because like I, I, I just talked about how good our worship team was. I wouldn't have said it that day. Like it was, it was bad. Like we were singing like five different songs and they were playing 20 different ones. Um, and, and so in my mind, like John, our, our drummer who's usually here, he, uh, we talked beforehand. He's like, man, what are we going to do? Like maybe we'll cut that last song because it was like, it was bad. Like, I, I, can't, I can't describe how bad it was. Like, it was bad, Christine. It was, it was bad. So, um, but we're, we're talking, like, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to get up there? And I was going like, to act like my mic was broke or something. And, but um, when, like, I was really out there just focusing on that, like, man, what? This is embarrassing. And, and then God sort of spoke to me, and he's like, it's, it's not about the way it sounds, it's about what you're singing to and what you're singing about. And, and when my mindset changed, we got up here. And I, actually, I think that was one of the best worship sets we actually did when we got up here. So it's more about our mindset and what we're offering to God than about what's actually coming out of our mouth and, and how it sounds. Um, so for those of you who, who's like, I'm not going to sing because I sound terrible, it's not about what you sound like. It's about give, uh, giving your praise to God. Um, and, and with that... Um, when we're doing that, we're singing a testimony. We're singing about what God's done for us, and, and we're con, uh, confessing, confessing our faith uh, uh, to Christ. And that is going to lead us to point number four. Singing encourages others to sing. Uh, verses 10 through 12 says, Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. And let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. So in this, uh, he, he talks about that we're, we're going to say the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Um, 
And it says, the heavens will be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. This goes back again to what Pastor Mutter preached a couple of weeks ago. In that the earth is already praising God. um, And we're just joining with it. But when people see how happy you are when you're singing. And see that what you're actually focused on when you're singing. It's going to encourage them to sing. Not only that, but it's kind of awkward if you're the only person singing. And everyone's around you just standing there. So it encourages them. It, it, it invites them to sing with you. Um, in Ephesians 5, um, it, address, we, it says, Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So we're supposed to talk to each other. We're supposed to sing to each other. We're supposed to lift these psalms up and help build each other up with these. Um, and in doing that, we're just encouraging everyone else to, to sing with us. Um, Tim Keller, he had a good quote on this. He said, Good corporate worship will naturally be evangelistic. So as we're singing, we're, we're inviting others to sing with us. They're seeing the glory of God through your voice. They're seeing the marvelous works through your voice. And they're hearing about the salvation that he's brought us through your voice. Um, so not only is it going to invite the Christians around you to sing, but it's also going to help those around you that aren't Christians to actually come to Christ and, and uh, hear about his honor and his glory. Uh, point number five, singing shapes our citizenship. So I'm going to pick up at the, the end of verse 12 there. Sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. Um, so singing shapes our citizenship. He talks here about judging and, and how God's going to be our judge. Um, what I want you to remember from this is that Someday God is coming back. Jesus will come back, and, and he is going to judge us. Um, and when we sing praises to him, um, we, we're just sort of shaping each other and, and shaping that message that we are of that, that elect that he's called, that we are um, here and that we, we have accepted that salvation and that we can actually be joyful and look forward to this, this judgment because we know where we're, we're, what he's going to say, that he's going to give us that well-done, good and faithful servant. Um, and that we, we don't have anything to fear. We're, we're not afraid of what's to come through that judgment. But we know that um, he's shaping us to be what we're going to be in, in glory someday. <clears throat> and the last point I'm going to talk about is, is one that's going to hit home for a lot of us. And I'm going to point out um, several individuals in here. But men, we got problems. Um, and uh, I'm going to spend probably most of my time on, on this point just talking to, talking to you men. The church in America has big problems with men and men singing in church and men showing emotion. I, I think most men are like me, and we have about three emotions. We're either happy, angry, or indifferent, and that's it. Um, happy, angry, or indifferent. Um, and when we're happy, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll sing a little bit. When we're indifferent, hey, we're probably just chilling during the songs. Maybe looking at our phone, maybe thinking about lunch afterwards. Um, when we're angry, we're definitely not singing. Definitely. Um, but I, I think there's, there's this big issue, and, and it's really not just in the church, but it's all over America. But men are afraid to show emotion. And that's number one right here. I was actually talking to a good friend last night, and he was talking about something and saying that he was going to cry, and I called him a sissy, and then I immediately repented in my head because, <laughs> because I knew what I was going to speak about, but yeah. Um, 
But we, we just have this huge problem. When we see some man showing emotion, we, we're like, who is this dude? Like, I mean, why did, uh, and I'm, I'm a Marine, uh, and I think that that probably has part to do with it. But it's also our society. It's just something that we don't do. We don't show emotion. Um, and so, especially when we come to church and we start singing, then that's the last place we're going to show emotion because we, we're just not going to do it. Um, and, and really, I think what it comes down to is that we have a fear in our heart of being vulnerable. Uh, we're not going to let that out. We can't let someone see us being vulnerable. We can't let someone um, see us uh, worshiping uh, God. Um, but like we said earlier, like this is, singing is a, a tool for evangelism. This is a way we can spread uh, the word of God. And if you're not going to sing in church, you're probably not going to go out and tell somebody about God outside of church. Um, and so we have to work on this fear that we have of, of being emotional. But something I want to point out in this entire psalm, Psalm 96, um, he says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. When we, we first hear that, we, we just think that he's strictly talking about, oh, we should sing. But this is not just, hey, you need to go out and sing. This is a battle cry. This is something that um, is used over and over in, in Scripture. I believe it's uh, about nine times in Scripture. Uh, someone says, sing to the Lord. And so every time that that's listed in there, this is actually in, in result to either a victory won or a battle they're about to go fight. Um, and so this is something that um, it, when, when you hear this call for a new song, um, we know that they're either sing, singing about a victory that God's already won for them or they're in preparation to win a battle that, that God's winning for them. Um, so some, point number six um, for the men specifically, singing doesn't make us weak. It makes us warriors. Um, so what, what I want you to, to know in this, though, David, David wrote about half of the Psalms, maybe more, but they can, they can definitely point out about 75 of the 150 Psalms that, that David wrote. David possibly wrote this one. depends on which scholar you talk to. But David was, was someone who was very musically gifted. Um, and, and through the Psalms, you can read that. Like most of these are, say, to the song leader or... Um, to be played with music. And, and so David was, was constantly thinking about this music and constantly thinking about um, uh, how this music interacts with, with uh, our worship of God. But also, um, in 1 Samuel sixteen eighteen, 18, um, it says, uh, One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. So it says not only is he skillful in playing, um, he in, in very musically inclined, but this is a, a man of war. This is a man who's, who's been strengthened by, by what he's done. This is a guy who, <clears throat> like we, we all talk about the story of David and Goliath, and this little scrawny boy kills this nine-foot-tall giant in, in battle that no one else would fight. But he was battle-hardened before then. We also read about how this dude killed a lion and a bear. Like, listen, I, like I said earlier, I'm a Marine. I've fought in, in Afghanistan. I've fought alongside some guys that are warriors. We call them war dogs. They're war fighters. These are people that, if I'm going to battle, I want these guys by my side. 
but ain't none of them ever killed a lion. <laughs> so David is a warrior. He's a man among men. Um, he's somebody that was not afraid of, of what battle was next. But at the same time, he wasn't afraid to lose it all in worship of God. In Second Samuel, we even read about he's, uh, they're delivering the ark into the temple. And someone actually reaches up and touches the ark, and then they die. And David's like immediately upset about this. He's like, God, why would this happen? And then um, he, God reframes his mind. But then he ends up praising God. And not only does he just sing and play his harp and those things, he strips down almost naked in praise of God. Now, I'm not encouraging any of you guys to do that. Please don't. But he, he left it all out there in order to praise God. He was in a loincloth dancing and praising. Um, and so I want you to remember that while David was this warrior, he also was an emotional, um, musically driven guy who, who loved the Lord and allowed music to, to be a way that he ministered to others, to be a way that he worshiped God. Um, so singing doesn't make us weak. When, when you're raising your hand in song, when you're dancing, it doesn't make us weak, man. But it, it's saying, hey, God, I know that you're about to win this battle for me. I know that you've already won this battle for me. And so um, we're warriors when we're singing. Um, we're, we're excited to be, to be singing this. Um, we're, we're mighty men of valor. We're men of war. And, and, and what better way to attack the enemy than, than through song? Uh, I mean, if you're in a fight with somebody and they, they just stop and start singing to you, like, I mean, they're probably not that afraid of you, right? So we should be singing to, in order to defeat the enemy. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and transition to, to our, our song that we're partnering this sermon with. Um, and if you are here for Team Night a couple of weeks ago, you might have heard this song. It might have been the first time. This is a song that's been out for a couple of years now. Um, but it's by Bethel, um, and it's called No Longer Slaves. And if you listen to the song, it really just ties directly in with this, this sermon. It says, we don't have to be afraid. Uh, uh, we don't have to fear anymore that we're ch- children of God. God split the sea so we could walk right through it. Um, he, he brings us together. He, he um, <clears throat> delivers us with a melody. Um, so I want you just to, to empty, empty your head of thoughts, listen to this song, and, and just allow it to speak to you and, and form your thoughts on, on singing. So go ahead. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears have come. I'm no longer. Child of God, I'm no 
That song just gets me every time. Um, it gets me excited. Uh, we, we don't have to be afraid of fear. Um, we, we can sing because we're, we're children of God, because of what he's done for us, because of, of all the battles he's won for us, because of, uh, that we, we can go through these trials and tribulations with, with knowing that he's with us. Um, so I heard this story this week, and I, I thought it sort of tied in with this. Um, so about a week and a half back, the Iraqi army finally liberated uh, of, uh of the ISIS soldiers. And th- this is a big battle. They've been fighting this battle for years. But finally, the, the Iraqi army has been able to, to take down this last stronghold. The ISIS army was in this mosque. Um, and, and once they, they took out this, this uh, mosque, the, these Christians in Iraq, and there's thousands of Christians all over Iraq, they're able to come out and, and pray in front of this mosque, and, and they were singing songs in front of this mosque because they were no longer afraid of, of what was ahead of them. Um, and, and there's one gentleman there, and his name is, is Abraham, and Abraham's been uh, leading this revival in Iraq. Um, so much so, he's been leading so many Muslims to Christianity that ISIS put out a hit. They sent an assassin after him. And, and so... Um, Abraham's family hears about this. Abraham hears about this. He knows that there's someone coming to get him. And, and so his family keeps saying, Abraham, you got to stop. Like, just go into hiding. Go, go someplace else. Cross the border. Go someplace else. Run from this guy. So Abraham's really, he's like, what do I need to do? Do I need to keep ministering? Do I need to keep evangelizing? Or, or should I actually run from, from this? And, and so one day he's out. He's actually um, cutting some wood he's trying to fortify his house for when these assassins come to get him. And so he's, he's cutting this board, and, and as he does, the saw blade breaks off of his saw, comes up, and hits him in the face. Um, if, if it would have hit him anywhere else but where it did, it probably would have killed him. So, and he's, he's got blood running down his face. And, and as he hears this, he, 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 and this, as this happens, he hears the voice of God saying, Listen, you have nothing to fear. I'm the one who, who determines when you die. It's me. I'm the one that determines when you die. It's no one else. Um, and, and so don't be afraid. And, and so this, this was sort of the answer he was looking for, uh, that God was in control of his life and no one else. Well, a few days later, he, he's outside. And he's working in his yard again, and he hears someone screaming behind him. And he turns around, and he sees somebody coming at him with a knife. And so the assassin's here. He's coming at him. And this is what, this is what he turns. Abraham turns. And yells to this uh, assassin. The assassin came from Syria. His name was Fadid. And he's, uh, Abraham yells, You are driven by the prince of demons, and Jesus is going to set you free. And when he yelled that, this assassin, this Fadid, stops in his tracks, starts shaking. He drops a knife and immediately falls to his knees. And Abraham walks up to him, and he says, What did you come here seeking? And, and Fadid says, I want to know salvation. So this guy that came to be the, to, assa- uh, to assassinate him, to silence the word of God, accepts Jesus 
and he's now going back to Syria, and now he's going to be the messenger of God in Syria. <clears throat> and so what I want you to realize is that God gives power to your voice. When you're singing, God is empowering your voice. Um, and your power, your voice has the power to, to stop these people and to help spread the word and to, to stop the enemy dead in its tracks. And so I'm going to close this out with prayer. And so this week, what I'm going to ask you to do, in your car, in your house, whatever it is, lock yourself up in a room. Maybe it's a time when, when you just need to be there by yourself. But just sing. Just sing. Just praise God. And, and just just thank Him for what He's done in your life. Maybe you do it in the car. Maybe you do it in the shower. Um, and then come back next week and just sing with unabandonment. Just just praising God for what he's done for you and the, the battles that he's taken you through and the trials that he's taken you through and whatever it is that you're facing, just know that God's going to bring you through it and that's something you can sing about. That's something that you can praise him about. That's something you can get emotional about. Lord, I love you. I thank you for everything you've done for me. I thank you for, for splitting open the trials and letting me just walk through them, Lord. Uh, I thank you for every mountain that you've put in my way. Uh, and I just uh, thank you for being the one that's that's overcome them for me, Lord. And Lord, right now, I just want to ask that you just be with everyone in here. Help their, their hearts and minds to be filled with worship for you. Help them just to, to praise you um, and, and to do this and, and know that when they're doing it, they are just um, being strong. And, and even when, if the tears fall, Lord, that, that that's, that's your strength in them. And that's them, uh, that knowing that, they're the strongest when they're, they're down on their knees, Lord, worshiping and praising you. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would just work in each and everyone's lives, Lord, and just um, help them to, to see what you've done for them, Lord. We love you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.